For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. I'm going to say that again. It is sin living in me. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. Verse 19. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it. But it is a sin that lives in me. So today as we continue on part two of our series, we're calling seven. I want to speak to you on the subject of the secret sin. The secret sin as we look at pride and how it takes root in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time? Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this message. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for just what you're doing in and through this house, Father. We thank you, Lord, for everyone that's represented here in this room right now. Father, I pray that as I, I preach your word, that it will be your word speaking through me. That I'd be led by your spirit to preach and to teach a message that will transform the way that we think. Father, I pray for every life that's in this room right now that we leave different than how we came in. We leave transformed by your word. Father, shape us, mold us, make us into who you want us to be. And Father, I get rid of any anxiety, any fear that would hinder me from preaching your word this morning. In Jesus' name, and 1030 said, Amen. Come on, somebody. Say it again. Say, Amen. 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 Well, how many of you guys, um, actually, I'm going to share this, I'm going to share this quote real quick because I believe that this is kind of the foundation of uh, the topic that we're talking about. As I was studying uh, this message out, this is like one of the first quotes that actually came up. It's by C.S. Lewis. It says this. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. So what is C.S. Lewis, Lewis saying here? He's saying if we have competition in any sort... We are prideful. We become prideful. And so I just want to take a look at just four truths, four simple truths of how pride can come into our everyday, everyday lives. So everybody shout with me, number one. <laughs> number one, pride sneaks in our lives. Pride sneaks into our lives. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And this is about the fall of Adam and Eve. And although this is one of the... Uh, it's not the first recording of sin and pride. Actually, in the Bible, and I'm not going to go through it, but um, the first account of pride was when uh, Satan really got casted out from heaven into hell. And so that was the first kind of initial um, act of pride. But we're going to look at Adam and Eve and, and their walk and how pride kind of set in. And so pride sneaks into our lives. Genesis 3, 1 through 6, it says this. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all, the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? So this is when he's sneaking in. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it, touch it, or you will die. Verse 4. This is when Satan comes in. Subtle. No, you will not die. 
the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. This is my first truth that I want us to realize in this moment. We tend to think of people who are prideful as those who are arrogant and boastful. And when we're talking about pride, there are many ways of pride. There are many ways of being prideful. And so we tend, we tend to, to think of pride as being boastful. Or maybe uh, we tend to think of pride as like being arrogant. We tend to thinking of pride as like, like this, this moment of, of wrongdoing, refusing help. That's part of pride. So how many of you guys would tell me that you are competitive in this room? Any, any competitive people in this room? So I'm, I'm really competitive. Like I, I grew up dancing. And um, I grew up going to competitions. I have my boy Ro in here. We were actually in High School Musical together, so holla at your boy. Yes. Um, so I grew up dancing. I grew up in the competition circuit and, and whatnot. I started dancing at the age of 12. And um, I was very competitive from a young age, always, always competitive. I, everything I did, I had to win. Like I had this obsession to win everything. And so I went to this competition. This was, I trained for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, I usually trained for like 15 to 20 hours a week. Um, and I was 12 years old, just training, training, training. And I remember going to this competition when I was about 14 years old. And um, I went to this competition and, and mind you, like, when you get ready to, to, to do a competition, like, you're geared up for it. Like, you're, you're, you're like, your mind has to be trained mentally. Like, you have to be ready to, to, to go into that competition. You go in to hopefully win. Like, that's what most people should do. But that's not all, all the time. Like, now soccer, you just win a participation award. I'm like, what? They didn't win nothing. They just kicked the ball. They didn't do anything. But anyways, so you go in to win. And so I remember going to this competition, and, and there was this guy that I was competing against. And he, was, he had been undefeated. Like, all the competitions before, like, he had been undefeated, and really, there's hardly any guys that are actually in, in the dance world, like, we're few far in between, there's like 50 girls to every guy, so like, you knew, like, if there was a guy dancer, you, like, you knew, like, you knew who he was, and so this guy was in Salt Lake, and um, uh, he danced around, went to all these competitions, and so I went into that competition thinking, like, okay, like, he's undefeated, but it's like, not today. <laughs> Not today, baby. You don't know me. I'm, I'm here. I'm in this thing. You don't know me. So I went into that competition just very, like, just uh, confident, overly confident, almost conceited. And I remember going into this competition, and um, I told my teacher and all my friends, I'm like, you know, I'm going to beat him today. Because everybody knew that he was undefeated. He was in my category. It was only me and him. And we were just in this category together. And it was just like one or the other. first or second. There's no, nothing, nothing else. First or second. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go into this. So I was telling everybody, telling all my friends, my, my teacher. My teacher was like, hey, like, let's not, like, she tried to calm me down. It's like, let's just, just do your dance, you know, show the love of the art, like, you know, teach everything that teachers do. It's not about competition. It's not about all that. So she went in and she was like, okay, just go in there and dance. And so I was in the wings. I was getting ready. I was stretching because dancers are like, we're like, we like stretch and we're like doing splits and all these different things. I'm doing jumping jacks and he's going on right before me. And so I'm like kind of eyeing him, but I'm trying to stay focused because you're like, you got to get ready mentally. And so he does his dance. Phenomenal. 
flawless. I almost started crying. I was like, whoa, that's, that's, ooh, that's good. That touched me. That touched my heart. Maybe you should win. But I was like, no, nah, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to do this thing. So I went in there. I was like, okay. So it's my turn. And the music goes on. And I'm like, this is a, it was a lyrical dance at the time. And so I just start dancing, start doing my thing. A minute into it, I forget the choreography. And if you know anything about dance, if you forget choreography, you're screwed. <laughs> like in a solo, you can fake it a little bit, but when you're in a group setting, it's like if you forget the choreography, you might as well just just leave. Like you're done, you're done with. But I hope, thankfully, I was doing a solo, but I, I forgot the choreography, and it literally felt like it was like five seconds, but it felt like eternity because I'm on stage in front of judges, and I'm on stage in front of like hundreds of people doing this this dance, and so I just kind of work my way through, and I'm like, ah, okay, I'm just like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just trying to make up stuff, and I remember leaving that moment after I was done I just improv the whole thing like I improv the rest of the minute and a half of the dance I don't know what I did it's probably terrible but I improv the rest of it and I remember getting off stage and the first thing my teacher said to me is like she's like you got too prideful I'm like 14 years old. I'm like, oh, I did get prideful but she's like you got too prideful you let pride sit in you started thinking that you were going to win and beat that person that was ahead of you and I remember in that moment, because I grew up in church, and I always remember this scripture, pride comes before what? The fall. The fall. And I just remember that moment in, the, in that scripture, I was like, man, you're right. I did get too prideful in that moment. And so I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was like, man, what are ways that the enemy will try to, try to, try to deter us from what God has for us? The first thing that he's going to do is he's going to sneak in. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. It wasn't like he was just this loud, this loud kind of animal. It wasn't like God sent a lion. He literally sent a serpent. It says he was the most cunning of them all. What does that tell me? That he can make and change anybody's thoughts. He can go in there and just say, hey, it's okay. You can eat from that. I'm like, and first of all, I just think that Adam and Eve are dumb. Because I'm like, you have this whole garden. This whole massive garden, probably acres and acres and acres of land and so many things. You have this whole garden, but yet you choose to go to this one small thing. Because the enemy got into, got into you and he got into your head. He got into your voice. And so that's what the enemy wants to do. He's so subtle. So when we're talking about pride, we're talking about four ways that the enemy comes in to your, to your home. And I love this in, in, this, in this text because it didn't say that, that the enemy just came to a foreign place where they were. They stepped foot right, he stepped foot right into their home. And I started thinking about that in the moment. I'm like, what are ways that I allow the enemy to come into my home? What are ways that I allow the enemy to come in and to distort the thoughts that God has already destined for me to be? What are ways that I allow the enemy to come in and to destroy what God has already placed in my heart and in my mind? What are some ways that I allow him to come to my house? He doesn't come to other places that you're not, that you don't reside in. He'll come right to your home. And in this scripture, with Adam and Eve, it was like he was so cunning. He said, okay, no, 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 you can eat. You can eat from that tree. You can, you can do that. So let's analyze real quick what really happened in verse 1 through 7. So first, Satan questioned God's word. That's the biggest thing. When we talk about pride, it's not all about just being proud and boastful. It's not all about that. When you question God's word, you become prideful. We become prideful. When we choose to, to deter from what God has placed in his word and say we're going to live our lifestyle and do what we want to do, that is pride. Right. That's how pride can sit in. And so first Satan questions God's word. Then he openly lied to Eve, contradicting what God had said 
Then he used the tantalizing bait of humanity could be like God. He said, you could be like God. By having your eyes open, knowing things they currently didn't know. So he came to Eve and saying, hey, like you can know things that, that God knows that, that nobody else knows. So he came and he snuck in subtly. And so the real heart of the situation is, is this. It's a statement that Eve thought that the tree was good for food and desirable to make one wise. Why would she think this? Why would she think this in this moment? God himself had told Adam, and either God himself or Adam had told Eve, that eating from the tree would only lead to death. Why would she and Adam accept the word of a talking serpent over the word of God? Let me preach this from him. Why do we accept the opinions of others? Why do we accept the opinions of our family? Why do we accept the opinions of people around us other than the word of God? How the enemy comes in, that's how he comes in, is when we, when we contradict God's word and say, hey, we say, we let people's opinions come in. And I'm not saying that, that you can't go to counseling. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't come to a, a leader or a pastor. That's not what I'm saying here. But it's when you allow those leaders and those pastors to dictate your future over the word of God. Come on, 1030. I'm preaching good in this moment. Come on, somebody. It's when you allow, when you allow these words and these things to, to kind of just distort the way that God created you to do what he created you to do. Yeah. You start contradicting his word. And that's pride. That's what pride is. So everybody shout with me number two, my second point. Pride corrupts our thoughts. So pride, the first thing is it sneaks in, then it corrupts our thoughts. Ezekiel 28, 17 says this, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, I expose you before kings to feast their eyes on you. And I want to give this, this brief illustration about how pride can sneak into your thoughts. So here's black coffee. Who, who in here are my avid black coffee lovers? Come on, somebody. Once you go black, you never go back. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes. So all my avid black coffee drinkers are in the house. Okay. So you would think, you guys look at the people that put cream in their coffee like, that's disgusting. Like, why would you distort something that God created and that he made? It's like, like you like have these uppity, uppity coffee drinkers that are like, no, that's not good. Uh, like all this. But this is what, this is how, this is how we should live. This is how God created us to live. At our natural humanity. He created us not to be distorted. So here I just have a glass of coffee. Here is a cup of creamer. And this is how the enemy will come in. Don't do it. Hey, it's Folgers, so it's okay. It's alright. It's nothing nothing fancy. (laughs) Don't worry, you guys. All you avid black coffee drinkers, it's nothing special, okay? It's just regular black coffee from Walmart, okay? Anyways, so um, so this this is creamer, okay? This is coffee. This is how the enemy wants to come in and distort your thought. It's not, it's not this big, massive, big deal. But it's little by little. So he comes in and he sneaks in one thought. That's like the enemy. Just sneak in one thought. He says, man, you don't have to. You do what you want to do. Marry who you want to marry. Then he comes in. Just a little bit more. Hmm. You should, you should take the job that you want to do. Move where you want to go. Hang out with the friends that don't have really good influence on you. But it's okay. And it starts to distort our thoughts. And finally, by the end of it, this is no longer black coffee. 
It's distorted the way that we think. And the enemy wants to come, in, come into our lives and he wants to distort everything that God has prepared for you. Right. And he's going to come first with a thought. First he came to Eve and said, hey, think about this. You can eat from that, that, that tree in the garden. He, he planted a thought in her mind that was contrary to the word of God. And you see, many of us are walking around like this thinking that we taste good. Because my wife drinks coffee like this. Okay, and I get on her all the time. I'm like, you, this is not coffee. This is literally like sugar water. Like this is sugar cream. Like you have no coffee in here. But this is how we walk around. We think that we taste good. We think that we look good. We think that everything in our life is okay. But we haven't talked to Jesus and say, hey Lord, what do you want me to do in this moment? And so thoughts start creeping in. Little by little. And we realize that we're walking around with pride all in our hearts and we don't realize it yet. Pride can look like arrogance. It can look like unforgiveness. Pride can look like not asking for help when you know that you need help. There's many forms of pride in our life, but yet we walk around every single day being prideful. Feeling like we don't need God. You see, and, and I believe that this is, this is so true. We project on people what we often don't see in ourselves. We project on people what we don't often see in ourselves. What is that saying? So when we go to people and we, we, we say, hey, hey, hey. Like we project on them what we don't often see in ourselves. So I'm looking at, man. I, and I was like looking at that dancer when I'm in, in the competition. I was like, man, I wish I was like him. Dang, I wish I was that good. And I let just all these different things come in my heart. And then end up, I ended up forgetting my purpose. Yeah. And that's just a simple, that's just a simple illustration. I forgot my purpose in that moment. My purpose was to dance how God created me to dance. Not worry about how he danced, not worry about everything else. So God created you how he created you. And so we can't let the enemy distort our thoughts. We can't let him just come in and destroy everything that God has designed us to be. Everybody shout number three. Number three. Ooh, it's getting hot up here. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> Pride sabotages our future. Yeah. Pride sabotages our future. Genesis 3, 14 through 19, it says this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. More than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly. And eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Verse 16. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. Sorry, woman, I'm praying for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man. I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. You desire, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Verse 17. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, not, do not eat, it, eat of it, the ground is cursed because of you. So this is, this is literally, God, he's, it's, it's, when pride set in, it's like, I'm sabotaging, it's, you sabotage your own future. So when they said yes to eating from the fruit that God told them not to eat from, they literally made a decision that will alter our destiny, alter their very destiny. And it's altered the way that we live even now to this generation. Because of one man's decision. It's changed and affected every single thing that we're in right now. And so verse 18, it will, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. Verse 19, you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. That's why we sweat. Thank you, Adam. Until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from it, 
For you are dust, and you will return to dust. And this is, this is one of the scriptures that I love. It's out of Proverbs 16. I said it earlier. 16, 18 says, Pride comes before destruction. This is one of the sins that Jesus really hates the most. It's pride. Pride comes before destruction. An arrogant spirit before a fall. You see, when we become prideful, it literally can change and alter our God-given purpose and destiny. When we allow pride to creep into our thoughts, pride can ruin our lives. You see, here we see Adam and Eve who are in the garden, literally minding their own business. And then the enemy comes in with a prideful thought that literally changed where we're sitting right now because of that one thought. And I started really reading the scripture. I'm like, what thoughts have I allowed pride to set in that has changed my alter, altered my destiny? I started thinking about that. I'm like, what decisions have I made that were in my own strength, not in his power, not in his might, that have literally changed the way that I live? And I started thinking about different moments when I moved from one city to the next and I did this and that. And I started thinking about little things like, did I really pray for that? Did I really ask God what I should do in this moment? Or was that a decision based on what I felt was right and what was good? And you see, a lot of us were walking around making decisions on our own, not asking God to come into him and say, hey, Lord, come into this decision. What do you want me to do? So you see, pride is allowing yourself to govern your future instead of allowing Jesus to show you your future. And I believe that this generation, especially, like we strive and strive and strive and we work hard and we go from this degree to that degree to that degree to that degree. And I wonder sometimes if we would just get before God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Instead of wasting all this time, instead of going from this degree to this degree, instead of going from this marriage to this marriage, instead of going from this relationship to this relationship, instead of we just say, hey, Lord, Where are you at? What should I do in this moment? But instead we choose to govern our own future instead of allowing Jesus to govern what he's created and destined us to be and to walk through. Jesus knows the end from the beginning. But yet we're we're walking around every single day. Why? Because we're so impatient. We want it now. We want to do this. We want to do things in our own strength. And I love that scripture. It says, not by my might, not by what, but by his spirit. So we should be living and operating in his spirit. In order for us to really be shaped in who he's created us to be, we should be walking and living in his spirit. Saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Do you want me to take this job? Should I date this person? Should I marry that person? Where should I move? All these decisions we should be allowing him to govern. Instead, we're allowing our own decisions to govern our very future. Everybody shout with me number four. I'm last point. I'll the worship team come up. Pride separates us from God. And I know this isn't a light message. And honestly, when Pastor Jason said, hey, you're speaking about pride in Sandy, I was like, come mm, again. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't think that's correct. Let's change the speaking document just a second. But I was like, he's like, you're, you're, you're talking about pride. But then I started getting a little bit excited about this because this series, I believe that it's more relevant to, the, to today than ever before. Yeah. And really in order for us to really act and walk out everything that God has for us, we have to lay sin down. And I know that's a hard concept and we, a lot of churches don't talk about sin. We don't talk about sin issues. We don't talk about the root of sin. But literally in order to get God's best and to do what he has called us to do, these are things that we have to lay out, lay down. 
In order for us to move forward to everything that he's set for us, we have to lay these things down. So this is my last point. Pride separates us from God. Genesis 3.22 to 24 says this. The Lord God said, and we're going to sing that last song one more time. The Lord God said, since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out. Take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. Verse 23. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming and the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, when we repeatedly fall into certain sins, we may be attempting to overcome them in our own strength. When we go from one sin to the next, could it be that we're in this cycle? Attempting to do something, but doing it in our own strength. And God spoke to me. He said, that's pride. When you start doing things and operating in your own strength, rather than what I've given you, that's pride. And so I just, I, while I was preparing for this message, I had to posture my heart. Because literally anytime that Pastor Jason or myself or Pastor Erica or any speaker gets up here to speak, we're literally challenged with the very thing that we're speaking about. It's not that we're coming up here and we're just preaching this to you because you guys have to get it right. No, I have to get this right. I have to get this right in my heart and say, Lord, search my heart in this moment. If there's any pride in me, get rid of it. Because I don't want to do anything that's not of you. I don't want to go anywhere that you're not. And so when we're preaching, when I'm, when I'm preaching about that, that the pride literally separates us from God, it literally separates you from God. It literally says, hey, God, I don't need you. I'm going to do my own thing. And so we walk, and little by little, and, and it's a subtle thing. It's so subtle. We let one bad relationship get into our life and then another bad relationship and this and that. And all of a sudden God is there and we're over here because we're not allowing Jesus to rule and to reign in our circumstance. And you see, the Holy Spirit also told me this. Pride is the sin most likely to keep you from crying out for your Savior. It's a sin that will most likely keep you from, from crying out to God. Because we're so prideful. We want to figure out what we want to do. It has to go our way. My way or the highway. But pride will literally keep you from crying out to God. And so, last night... I literally got on my knees before Jesus and I said, Lord, I'm crying out to you right now because there are some things in my life, there are some situations that are going on right now and I need you to be in this situation. I literally was feeling anxiety all week and I had to step back and say, okay, why am I feeling this anxiety? Why am I feeling this fear? Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling right now? And I stepped back and I could have just stayed in that anxiety I could have stayed in that dysfunction. I could have just stayed in that. But in, instead of staying in it, I chose to say, okay, Lord, your word said in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. 
Literally, I posted about it last night. These are things that I'm going through in my own life. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray. Everything, pray. And so I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through in this moment, but we're going to worship.